Keep your hands and head inside the vehicle at all times. Buckle your seatbelts, check your mirrors, sit on back and relax. It's lights out and away we go for the Tall and Short of It podcast. All right, welcome everyone to another episode of the Tall and Short of It podcast. We're coming to you live from PO6, broken smite button, apparently. I'm your host, Justin. And I'm Aaron. Welcome back, everyone, to another week of... Uh, the podcast. We're excited. Wow. Yeah, that was a weird stutter there, but uh, (laughs) we're back. We've got some world championship finals to talk about. We've got the Brazilian Grand Prix coming up. Lots of other tidbits of news, gossip, and magic. Justin, good to see you. How's it going? Good to see you too, man. It's going pretty well. I've had a have a little bit of like a weirder week, I would say. Things aren't feeling so normal, but uh, it is very normal to be here on a Wednesday recording the pod with you. Like you, like I said, it's good to see you, my friend. How have you been this week? Um, pretty good. It's uh, I've also I, I felt a little weird as well. So, uh, are you feeling physically, mentally, emotionally? What what's uh, what's out of kilter? probably just mental um i feel i feel fine physically uh okay. but yeah just mentally i think with the with the foam break over the weekend there were there were some things that were like hardcore part of the routine that like got shaken up a little bit so it's taken a little bit to get back into that routine and i've been kind of questioning like oh man, like what should I be doing kind of thing. And okay. uh, so getting back into the swing of things has been a little like a little like getting into cold water. Gotcha. With like your to-do list and things like that, like your to-do list app or like uh, just oh, other. Just, like, just everything in general, just like stuff with the business, things here. Um, gotcha. Obviously, obviously like still getting things done, but you know, we can get into it. Like my thorn here for the week is um when I was coming up from my client here today, I I was going into the back to like either swap laundry or start it, whatever was going on. But mm. there was no laundry to fold, but I had left everything on in the office as though I was just like walking right back in. And once I walked out of the garage, I just locked it up and just walked straight back up to the apartment, just leaving our office door, just like open all the lights on and everything. And Sarah wasn't back down there for like another like three hours. So like, yes, I got the laundry done, but I didn't do the simple thing of just like closing and locking the door. Um, so just like weird stuff like that all over the place. Mm. Um, so did just you have, here. did you have um, like a moment of, I'm forget. I I feel like I'm forgetting something because I get that a lot mm-hmm. with. Um, I, I go to specifically do something. I leave the room I'm in. I know it's like a psychological thing, but like leave the room that I'm in to another room, and the thing that I was supposed to be going to do is just gone from my brain until I like yep. kind of retrace my steps <laughs> and all. Yeah. And I didn't even get the opportunity to retrace my steps. It wasn't until like Sarah went down to the office and just like found everything on and open. And it, and she's just like, what the fuck, dude? It's like, <laughs> oh, that's what I forgot. Everyone, uh, so, yeah. everyone has those moments, though. Sure. That, it happens. Sure. Um, my, yeah, my rose here was getting the new phone. It's amazing how quick that can happen. I love the idea of like, 
So I walk into the Verizon store. It was like it was like 6 p.m. or whatever. He mm. hits the like, all right, yeah, well, like, we'll start your claim. We'll send you a new phone. Boop. And then within less than like, so 12 hours would be 6 a.m. It arrived at like, it arrived at like noon. So like 18 hours later, less than 24 hours later, the phone like hits my mailbox. You just call a number. The guy helps you get it all set up. That was a that was a bit of a headache because my dad my dad didn't have you know everything set up just right so it was like an hour on the phone with that guy but the roses there were some things I was like ah, I probably don't need this anymore oh wait that didn't update or like that wasn't backing up well fuck this then so just uninstall that now so like that's kind of fun um, and I think that's where a little bit of that like off feeling is is like well some of this stuff I've like. I got rid of it. I don't need it anymore. So it's it's a little bit of that. And okay. then um, my seed here for the week uh, during one of my continuing ed courses, a lady was talking about making sure your business has photos of like you and your therapist instead of using the stock photography. And me and Sarah were shitty. So we just have used the stock photography when we set it up originally. And it was just never something we went back to. We never mm -hmm. really thought about it. But this lady talked about it in a way that really like hit a light bulb. And so I went right to Sarah and I was like, oh, hey, this is a priority. This is a goal. We got to get that done. Um, so coming up here in the next week, we're going to look to probably get either me and her or me and her plus a client to take some photos and have them on our business pages. So it's like a little more uh, it's, it's a little more about us, um, yeah. which I think is going to be sweet. Oh, I think that's a good idea. I don't hate the idea of stock images for like general things. Um, but I do feel like there should be at least like a pic. I, and I don't know. I would have to see your website, but do you guys have pictures of just like headshots of you guys on your website yeah, anywhere? We do. So I think that that's still like you're, there are probably sites for other massage therapists that are like way worse. I think that oh, yeah, is sure. a pretty reasonable way to do it. And like, yeah, like now you're updating some things and that's like cool, but I don't think it was necessarily like, a bad thing, but it'll probably be a, a nice improvement. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I nobody ever complained to us and was like, you know, the stock photography really yeah, just turned like, me <laughs> off from scheduling with you. Like, no, people don't, you know, whatever. Right. I think our I think our reviews would have, you know, overridden whatever, you know, negative sentiment they may have may have had towards something like that. But it is just like the idea of like just reinvesting in the business and thinking about ways mm -hmm. we can improve. Cause ultimately I just want to get back to the people that come in to us, you know, yeah. um, and just finding ways to improve their experience and, and kind of tell our story a little bit better. Um, you know, will will help immensely. But uh, yeah, that's my rose thorn seed here for the week. Aaron, I'm interested to hear what you got for us here. Sounds good. Uh, well, first off, I have a question that I'm I'm curious about. Do you yeah, care? Man. Do you care about like what lighter you get when you go to a gas station and buy a lighter? Like, does if if they're behind the counter and you're like, yo, can I get a lighter? Do, like, does it matter what they give you? Because for one. I went through an entire lighter and had to get a new one. I told you mm -hmm. I, I do that sometimes with that. I haven't lost very many lighters, but 
the lighter I got at the store is, is an odd one. Cause the guy just handed me one and it was laying face down. And I, so I was like, when I had paid, Does it have the plastic wrap on it. Is it like an image? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are the worst ones. You don't want those. That plastic wrap is terrible. It'll I break and it'll, I didn't even like get an opportunity, but also I had already like put my card in and like everything. And I'm like, right. I'm not going to be like, yo, dude, can I get a different lighter? But I just find I it kind of, have. I probably should have, but mm-hmm. I'm too nice. But it, my, uh, my lighter, it says nailed it. Yeah. I hate <laughs> those kind. I hate those kind. It is There's awful. I hate so it, bad. but it's kind of funny now. It's growing on me just because of how sure. absurd it is sure. um, that they even make lighters like that. Like, who's going out and being like, oh, that one? That's the lighter says nailed it and has a hammer. That's the one I'm going for. <laughs> I don't know. And like, maybe like the population is just more on the side of like, yeah, can I just get a lighter? They just grab it out of like the stack of whatever, a hundred yeah. you know, auto printed images. But when I get a lighter, I'll like spot decision, choose what color I want. And I'll mm-hmm. point to it and say, give me that one. You know, give me like I've one of the I've done that before. They were like tucked off to the side. Sure. And I couldn't really see it. I'm like, sure. it was like, I think it looks like there's, I just assumed that most places just get the thing of only colored lighters. Like why is no. a store even buying a pack that has absurd things? No uh, one dude, has people ever. Love them. They got little smiley really? face ones, little well, peace on ones. I understand little, like, that. Like, I understand a bit more if it's like a design or that little, is a design. Uh, it's a hammer and a nail. Yeah, I mean, what I'm saying is, to those companies, it's all the same garbage. That's wild. Yeah. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter to them. Like. That blows my mind. I don't I'll, understand. I'll do you that. one better. I'm so much of a pothead though that I can't buy single lighters. <laughs> I have to buy the big bulk packs where well, you get the you bonus also said black that you, one. You also said that you lose them. So, well, well sometimes you try, you don't sometimes. as much. Yeah, I you, have lost them in my life. You have stored a storage spot. <laughs> yeah, I'm much more organized now. I'm much more organized now. I'm not passing them around in little blunt true. circles, people putting them in their pockets. Like that doesn't happen. True, you know? true. That's fair. But I got to buy them in bulk because my man, I'll just run out of a lighter at like 11 p.m. Just be like, fuck. I got to be able to just. Well, we, I, <laughs> this is probably even weird. When that happens to me, I just get matches <laughs> straight yeah, up. I have box, those too. Box of matches. There you go. Uh, but I just was curious cause I thought it was like, it happened this past weekend, Colleen and I like stopped on the way to get our coffee. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. I'm like, I was, it was the morning. I was a little tired, little hungover from being out watching the baseball game. I'm like, can I get a lighter? as i have just that in a gatorade the guy gives me this i'm like and he nailed it dude like all right nailed it <laughs> so nice. that's what's uh up. but otherwise my week's been pretty good but uh i'll start with my thorn um because similar to you i i've been feeling a little like wonky but i am pretty sure 
it is because of daylight savings time. Fuck daylight yeah. savings time. Yeah. It is the most ridiculous thing that in well, like the why, time though? well I don't see any benefit to it in today's day and age. Like it gives what us is more daylight? No, it gives us less daylight. I I don't leave work until the sun's down at at this point. Like I get I don't even get like a sunset on my drive home. I'm like driving home in the dark at 5 p.m. Like it should just right. It shouldn't have gone back. Like now I am leaving. It's already well, no. bright sunny day by the time right. I'm leaving for, for right. work, which is like normal. Right. It should be like it's a little bit dark when I'm like leaving for work. And when See, I'm no, getting but now home, it's fully light out so you yeah, can maximize like, your daylight time. You just got to wake up a little earlier for it. Cause even that, like, even that dark time, it's not good. Like, it's cold out. You can't be out there. You got to be like inside, tending the fire and like cooking dinner. <laughs> if the sun's out, I can be out there. Like, if the sun's still out when I get home, I'll go. No. Like, I'll no, go up to. I'll go. Up Daylight to- savings time. You can only be like out and about and working when the sun is up. When it's dark out, like, what are you supposed to do? You just go to bed now. So I'm supposed to just go to bed at 5 p.m.? Yeah, that's what it's for. That's and a, you wake up with the sunrise. That's what it's for. It's a ridiculous thing. It is outdated. It is unneeded. You want to sound like agreeing with you. I know. But the other thing about it is it has caused me just so... You, <laughs> Mental like, anguish, clearly. So you know how there are people like... Or, Obviously, there's people out there in the world. Uh, this is gonna come around full circle that have depression, I hope so. and then okay. the like people who have depression okay, yeah, yeah. can also have seasonal depression. Sad. It's it's called they're sad. It's seasonal affective disorder. So I have normal road rage, but I also have seasonal sad road, road rage. rage. Because the amount of people this week in the three days that I've been driving home from work that just basically seem to have forgotten how to drive because it's nighttime out is Mm. the other ridiculous part of it. I am now being forced to drive behind and around and in front of people who... I am fully assuming do not drive at night ever and are mm. solely doing it because they have to, to get home from work because they suck at driving at night. Like mm. it is, I drive at night decently often to and from like wherever. And normally nighttime drivers, not as good as daytime drivers. I get it, but it's still not bad. It has been bad over the last three days and so frustrating, like people driving 10 to 15 miles per hour under the speed limit, all of a sudden, like forgetting that the double yellow line in the middle of the road means like you stay on your side. And I see people just constantly like wandering across as if they can't see 
the lines on the road anymore. And they I'm like, have their phone in their hand, probably. But I'm like, I'm like looking out for deer. I am like trying to pay attention to all these other people, and it seems like half the people on the road, a much larger proportion than previous, just are awful driving at nighttime. Well, what's your commute like? Are you like bumper to bumper? Is it like back roads? What's your drive like? So it's a little bit of main roads and then uh, it's probably about 50-50 main roads and back roads. Uh, Like main roads to start, I hit some back roads to cut through and then like back to main roads uh, to end my drive. And it's, it's not... A lot of lights, a lot of stop signs... Decent bit of dark in the the back roads, but I don't see a difference between when I'm on main roads that are lit up and everything and the back roads. Everyone is just exponentially worse and it's Mm. brutal. So that is my thorn. Fuck daylight savings. I think it's not needed anymore. I, I, maybe made sense when farmers were getting up to tend their crops and things like that. But I, I think we can get rid of it. I hope we do. Cause I know there was talk about that and I don't know if it's actually like happening or not. The only, and this, uh, the only thing I would add would be possibly for schools and like in elementary school, maybe it helps keep, regularity for the kids in some way that but that's like that's just maybe a long shot i i because you're right why else would we keep it because i mean i guess there are still farmers we're we're pretty dumb there are still farmers well i know but farmers nowadays i think it's a little bit different it's not like farmers are still need the sun though well, they do. So, like, if you're a farmer, like, you just adjust your sleep schedule. Like, I've done right. that for different jobs where I've had to get up earlier, or later, or whatever. Like, I just adjust my sleep schedule. Like, farmers in today's day and age aren't going out tending their fields and then trying to make it to the market in time to sell their wares, like, before, like, the people are awake and everything. Right. The werewolves come out. Yeah. It, it's just, like... In today's day and age with farming and production and everything, like people are just gonna adjust like I think more people had to adjust well, their sleep schedule because of the hour shift than like would have to just because the daytime is gradually getting shorter. Yeah, but that's like what it is. It's a universal adjust the sleep schedule. Only in the US. It's not right. like a- it's not like an international thing like Norway and like the UK don't have daylight savings. They don't, they don't just all of a sudden be like, Oh yeah, we're in the Northern hemisphere. Let's change our clocks an hour. Hmm. Maybe it has something to do with the like three different time zones in the country. Yeah. I just I don't know, dude. I don't know. It, it seems kind of pointless. I'll have Whoa, to do I'll, I'll have to do some digging, but it, this this week has just frustrated me and I feel very out of whack. So, that is my big big thorn, but my rose this week um 
Colleen and I are going on her birthday trip this weekend. And I think it'll be nice because I know both of us have been pretty wiped from work over the past, uh, past couple weeks. And I think that it will be a much needed break and it should be a really fun time. Uh, so looking forward to that, that'll be fun. And my seed is that I see you may have done some research. Do you have new news? No, not okay. new news. <laughs> okay. Um, but the, my seed is we bought a new couch this past weekend. We wanted to get a larger Ooh. sectional for more seating and everything. And so it's going to be delivered next week. Um, so that, and then of course, getting closer and closer to picking up our puppy in a couple of weeks. So that's my seed. I'm looking forward to both of those, uh, both of those things, the puppy more than the couch, but <laughs> they're just two, two upcoming, uh, bigger things. So that puppy is going to be very happy that you got the couch though. Are, is, is he going to be, a, is he going to be a couch puppy or no furniture for the dog? Oh, it'll be, um, he'll be, or she'll be a couch puppy. Um, oh, yeah. like we're, our plan is to have a specific spot that will have like a blanket down for uh-huh. her to be on. And like, sure. we'll have like a toy or something there to kind of be like, Hey, this is an okay spot to be. It's not mm-hmm. like in the middle. Like, so if people are over, she's not trying to like just hop into the middle of everyone, sure. but she's it's like mine, but yeah, we have no, I, we, neither of us care about like being on furniture. Nice. Um, just as long as she's not like shredding it. So, well, yeah, that would be not that great. <laughs> yeah. Not ideal. So, um, yeah, two big things we're looking forward to. Um, That's sweet, but that is pretty much what's been going on this week. Nice. I, I had my big, my daylight savings time rant. I've been storing that up. So, uh, we can move right along to some, some F1 news and things going on in the world. We've got FTX, a sponsor for Mercedes, as well as a number of League of Legends teams, including the beloved TSM, uh, that is probably going to be going out of business with... FTX is a cryptocurrency exchange. Yes. And so they'll potentially be going bankrupt uh, because there's been some issues and crashing in the crypto market recently. Um, also typing out the word bankruptcy was weird. I couldn't figure out how to spell it. Cause I don't think I've ever spelled that word out before. Um, so that was just a, a side note that I had on that, but, um, but yeah, so the crypto world may be starting to affect advertisers in other areas, which is interesting. Cause I feel like a lot of different businesses recently have really taken on a number of like crypto or whether it's like hundred thieves cash app or like those kinds of companies, electronic finance companies. Um, so seeing one of the bigger ones kind of come down is pretty crazy. Yeah. And it's interesting too, especially, especially where you see it across obviously a bunch of different things. Um, so they spread their fingers pretty wide trying to 
garner a name or excitement for just crypto in general. Um, but yeah, it hasn't had the staying power that I know people have hoped. And it's probably pretty reasonable for these bigger companies to, you know, just move on, find other other sponsors in areas that will bring them uh, greater fruit. Yeah, or just be more sustainable long term. Exactly. Because I think yeah. it's with crypto, it's still in a weird limbo of it's how, an infancy to be fair it is but it's like how i think because of the technological side of it it may be overstepped kind of quickly um some of the potential sure. like reasoning and thoughts like you said to to market get their name out there and everything um so yeah, I think we'll we'll see probably some small changes, but I think it's interesting in the world of these sports that sponsorships are. I, I mean, I guess every sport sponsorships are extremely important, um, but I feel like in F one and in esports, they're very like front and center, particularly with like the names of teams like mm -hmm. being or including some of these sponsors sure. well um, esports specifically because like there is not very many good ways to make money it is just the sponsorships that you're able to garner um right. so the the logo that you're able to put on your shirt is huge because like unless you're winning there's no other way to make money um yeah. i there's a there's a, a couple of great minds in the industry where and and I, I think very similar to them where it's like there should be a pay to enjoy model introduced if teams want to really have the kind of money that they want to throw around to keep players engaged and employed, such as like an upset or a reckless or a Yankos where the demand for these contracts gets so massively high, but the teams like don't really make anything unless they're, unless they're winning. How many right. international tournaments are there a year where they're given the opportunity to win? You yeah. know, like it's, it's just a very like um, a very shallow money making possibility pool. Uh, yeah. So just like you're saying, it's, it's very reliant on the sponsorships that you get. And it's unfortunate, like you were alluding to that FTX hasn't had the, the staying power um, uh, and sustainability to give these teams the same in the competitions that they're fighting in. Yeah. I think it's uh it's kind of, interesting because there are a number of different models i feel like that are um put out there and and a lot of it does come from sponsorships and and marketing from companies whether it's chipotle putting on a fifty thousand dollar war zone tournament and like people playing for like prize money or mm -hmm. whether it is CSGO, which they make some money from different skin sales in games, things like that for weapon skins, uh, all sorts of like that whole ecosystem of weapons and buying and selling in the market that they have for that. Um, but also they have a lot of tournaments that like team like teams will go around and have potential to make money at. 
that's the biggest like, thing is the tournament circuit. That's yeah. what keeps a bunch of the CSGO players fed. Yeah. But you don't have that kind of circuit system for a lot of these games. They just yeah. have the the franchise like league system that's very similar to like an NFL or a, you know MLB or whatever it is. They just play their in-season games and whatever sponsorship or content creation you have behind a player or a name, like that's that's what you're getting. But there's also an additional part of that because I just thinking it through, like mm-hmm. the some of those esports, like League of Legends, Valorant, those ecosystems are also fueled by finances made by the company that makes the game outside right. of the esports. So skin right. sales in League of Legends or like gun skin sales in Valorant or different like things like that that Riot Games is doing as a profitable company right. out in the world, like they still they are like putting up some of those funds for these systems as well. Right. Whereas in CSGO, I don't think that that same kind of system is happening. So that tournament ecosystem is more relied upon and necessary. Mm-hmm. So like, it's, it's just interesting because there's all these esports that have very different in, in a lot of ways of business models for how they sustain their like competitive ecosystem. It's, right. it's pretty interesting. So I'm sure there's other ways and other sponsors who will get into the, to the field. Um, but it, it is definitely interesting to see such a big one that had like an immediate name recognition pretty much from who and like what companies and orgs they sponsored uh, to kind of fall away that quickly. Yeah, I guess FTX was kind of up there. I know like Coinbase and Coinbase Pro are pretty popular as well. Binance is pretty popular. Um, But yeah, I imagine that could be uh, that could be the way of the Buffalo for some of these companies. Yeah. So just uh, an interesting thought. Um, Another thing of interest, I know we talked about the Red Bull um, cost cap break and everything and so that Mm -hmm. information was leaked to like the media and whatnot before red bull was aware that there was even an investigation from the fia um and so there are some thoughts at least from the red bull side that there's an employee who worked for mercedes on their cost cap and everything and then went to the fia to work for them later on who i guess may have spread the information to Mercedes. And I just, I I think it's just an interesting thing. I I don't necessarily think it was done maliciously, but something like that, I'm just surprised that the FIA lets those things get out. I, it surprised, surprised me that it was like, because they hired someone from another company. Like I understand sometimes like people talk and things are overheard and a reporter may go and run with it, but it seems like that information got out into Mercedes because of this prior relationship of this employee. Um, And 
I just think it's odd. It's like similar to kind of how I was saying with the, the fairness and unbiased nature that I would love for the media to have in regards to sports and F1, which I know not always possible, but I would hope that in the governing body of the sport that there is minimal bias as well. And I mean, whether people believe there is or not, that's a whole different thing. But things like that don't make me comfortable in in believing that there's no bias throughout the governing body. Well, of course there would be, but hopefully you'd be able to pull enough individuals from enough different organizations that everybody's accounted for. And yeah, maybe there is a, you know, a Mercedes voice on this side of the room. There may be an equally as strong just Red Bull voice on this side of the room where, yeah, I I understand that there is a possible conflict of interest there. You hope it doesn't like go that route, yeah. but clearly... um. Clearly, there's conversations had, uh, right. you know, not and I know, mean not the on traveling weekends and not on track. Yeah, the traveling circus is all going together. People know people, and like, like I said, yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel like it was a maliciously done thing, but it, it's definitely a um, something that I like. It piqued my interest because I'm like, I, that feels a little wonky. Like, I hope that there's not a lot of that kind of stuff going on where things are just being leaked to other uh, constructors and whatnot about like when they should be internal to the FIA or between the team and the FIA and whatnot. So, um, so yeah, just an interesting note that I had seen Um, other sponsorship things, uh, Alpine and Renault may be having more of a financial partnership. Uh, Renault is looking to, I guess, um, up their investment into the Alpine F1 team. And Alpine seems to be uh, pretty comfortable with taking on additional funding, So, mm-hmm. uh, which makes sense. Um, so we may see Renault... Uh, in a, a constructor name once again. I'm not saying that it'll be like just Renault, but maybe it'll be Alpine Renault or they'll have a little more emphasis on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because currently right now it is like it's just Alpine. Yeah, they have a Renault engine, but it's right. just Alpine. Gotcha, much. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. But depending on how much monies go their way, it could be Alpine Renault yeah. um, kind of thing. Yeah, or have like uh like more prominent um uh like ads on the car, right. whether it's on the DRS or uh anything like that. Um but some just contract stuff that we can run through real quick. Um so Haas is looking to most likely go forward with Nico Hulkenberg as opposed to Mick Schumacher. Um that's what I've been seeing kind of everywhere. So we'll most likely from accounts that I read, um, get their driver lineup in the next week or two. Um, Mm. so we should know pretty soon. Uh, Christian Horner also in an interview mentioned that Red Bull has had talks with Lando 
like four different times in mm-hmm. his career, like one and the very next day in every like one of those talks, he signed either with McLaren or an extension with McLaren, which I just mm. find like, I, I find it funny. I, I think it's most likely relatively coincidental where it's just like, yeah, for sure. He probably had negotiations with McLaren, like really liked it. And he's like, oh, I'll field. I'll, I'll listen to Red Bull's pitch. And mm-hmm. if I like it, like maybe, but then just gone with McLaren each time. But apparently helmet Marco has talked to him uh, like the day before he signed with McLaren's junior team, the day mm-hmm. before he signed with McLaren for their F1 team, the day before he signed his first contract extension, and then like like it's just kind of keeps happening, which I find kind of amusing. Well, I have heard, I have heard Christian Horner explicitly say that like, yeah, why wouldn't they be interested in Orlando Norris? Um, oh, hundred percent. Yeah, he has spoken very highly of him. So yeah, that that totally makes sense to me. Yeah, but I'm not funny, shocked at funny all. how the timing like works out where right after those conversations he's, you know, oh nope, McLaren. Yeah. I just thought it was funny because I, I do the thought of that driver lineup from going back to like the Gasly or Albon Red Bull days before they were um down to Alpha Towery, like a Lando Max Verstappen lineup would have been really, really good. Like that probably would have been, well, I I think it would have been better than him and Albon. It would have been better than him and Gasly in my opinion. For sure. Um, Might be pretty equal to him and Checo, to Max and Checo now too. Um, I, I also think very highly of Lando as a driver. I think he gets a lot out of the car and seems to be pretty adaptable and strong and like mm-hmm. has good performances in machinery that shouldn't necessarily be there um, or, or where he is finishing. Doesn't get into too many incidents or anything like that i i seems to be a pretty good teammate person at, like out there in the public so i, mm-hmm. I of course understand why red bull would have wanted him but it's interesting to think back to the potential for that um pairing to to have been a thing yeah definitely that's a that's an interesting little thought experiment i don't know with these like back-to-back mexican podiums and so much of the team game played from checo it's hard to it's it's hard to want to pick lando over him i think we just have like two great seasons out of this guy Mm. that is like a a big pro probably against lando but yeah yeah, i mean he does in the driver comparison look really good compared to daniel ricardo who is not on a week-to-week or a a race-to-race basis getting the most out of the vehicle that lando is um so it is a little bit like yeah i mean he is uh he is a hot shot young driver that's for sure um 
better than Checo though. Well, That's so I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying, and I didn't mean that as any knock to Checo. I love Checo. I think no, he's just, just thinking driver. about the two. But it's two interesting duos. because I would imagine if things had gone the other way, if Lando had signed with Red Bull instead in their junior driver program, if you go all uh-huh. the way back there, like he probably ends up in Alpha Tauri shortly after, um, Max moves up to Red Bull when Danny leaves. If if he drove as well as he did coming into McLaren and everything mm-hmm. um, for AlphaTauri, I would imagine he would be promoted up to Red Bull as Max's teammate. And yeah. if that were the case, and like his trajectory remained similarly, just like on Red Bull instead of McLaren, obviously, there's no way to ever know, but. Checo may never get that Red Bull opportunity at that point. Mm. So it's like, it's not a necessarily a, Oh, like would they have chosen Lando or Checo? Like, I think if you go back to, and things went a little differently, like Lando could just be a, a, a mainstay at Max's side, potentially like as their driver lineup. Um, right. But it's just an interesting thing to think about. It's hard to think of Lando on any team other than McLaren, but uh, it was it was an interesting thing that I was like, oh yeah, that's like weird that he could have all those different times like gone over and been a part of the Red Bull organization. Yeah, and then instead of associating this driver with one team and like, you know, like you associate Mick Schumacher with Ferrari, like that kind of thing, um, you would then in your mind, yeah, he would be, he would just be a little bit of a different driver. But I think in those years where like maybe it wouldn't have been Gasly or Albon, let's say Norris was driving. So they probably would have just had a little more points in the driver's standings, but things probably wouldn't have changed much. I'm curious though, if let's say. Oh, like, Oh God, finish your point. But I had another thought. I was just going to say, I'm curious if by the time he gets to last year, by the time he gets to 2021, is he the kind of driver that like Checo was for the team? I I had the same thought. That's what I don't know if uh, if Lando could have defended in some instances like Checo did to to help the team out. Like the no water race. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of like the some of the tire saves that he did. Oh yeah. Some of the like w- the the p20 to p1 lando wouldn't have done that he hasn't done that yet like these are all like outstanding moments from a driver 100 percent, yeah that are like because only with 2020 vision can can we say this like all of that had to happen well max could have been a like not it could easily have not been champion last season and without Checo as his right. teammate m- right. most likely wouldn't have. And this could have been his first driver's championship and, and constructors um, and everything this year. But it's, it's just uh, a very interesting thing. Cause obviously a lot of these drivers I'm sure are courted by many of the teams, everybody, coming everybody. They, I'm sure they have relationships with everyone. Oh, a hundred percent. So the, the, 
multiple uh, dimensions where things could have gone differently. Yeah, it's uh, like the Marvel what if. Yeah, what if all... fucking Lando Norris is Captain America, actually? There were... There were 5,894,312 possibilities, and Lando only joined Red Bull in one. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. And we're not in that reality, actually. That's not what happened. No, so... um, But talking about Lando's teammate, Danny Ricks has still not decided uh, officially or announced officially where he's going, Um, but it's uh, a toss-up, it sounds like, between McLaren... or between red bull and mercedes as a reserve driver um so i'm sure we'll get new news on that before too long so yeah i mean i yeah sorry i paused i don't oh, know no, it's like say. i'm just like there, there's not much else to say about it yeah um we're just kind of waiting to see i feel like half this season has been waiting to hear what danny ricks is gonna do so. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I, I kind of respect the Sebastian Vettel route where it's just like, okay, I'm done after this year, but like he goes and races and now it's right. like, it's like done and out of the conversation. We don't really have to worry about it, but now it's like, am I, am I not It's like week Ooh, after maybe. week? I'm like, Oh, here's the new tidbits that I've right. seen. Like right. uh, just leaving the cookie crumb trail, uh, all over the place. But, um, Lewis apparently as well, and I mean, understandably, is expected to sign an extension. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, this week leading up to the Brazilian Grand Prix, uh, we had him becoming an honorary citizen of Brazil. I know he's spoken um, very much about like how much he loves the community there and mm-hmm. like like loves their passion and all. So that was a, a pretty cool thing to see. Yeah, that's kind of amazing that like by the virtue of motorsport, you can have a have a country want to say like, we want you as born here, actually say ceremonially that you were born here. We love you so much. Can you be born here, please? I'm going to put this necklace on. It'll mean that like that's wild. A whole country is like, hey. The way you drive a race car, we want you to have been born here. Oh, and it's wild. Like, because there's no, there are, I can't think of another situation that you can even compare this to because, like, Hmm. you, he's in Brazil like one time a year, Mm -hmm. like once a year. It's not like he is say a professional soccer player who grew up in Spain, who is now playing in the Brazilian or the like Brazilian league and is like been there for a while playing for a team or whatever for a few years, like, and consistently being there. Lewis is like, I'm here for a week. I'm gone. I'm here for Mm -hmm. a week. I'm gone for like a year. And obviously he's been there plenty of times but it's so interesting with motorsport because he doesn't have as much of a necessary like tie as like most other people who would probably be granted this honor like someone Mm -hmm. who has been like a someone living in brazil for an extended period of time for whatever they're doing uh Mm -hmm. becoming an honorary citizen of some sort yeah it is uh it is pretty powerful and it shows how much like it really is 
um, unifying uh, the sport because it is like globe trotting, um, and you are having these like larger than life individuals touch down and you know exist in your world for a little while, and that is pretty cool. That just like driving race cars and presenting, um, presenting as loving like can do right. Um, that's really cool. And more than most Lewis Hamilton always like addresses the fans first. And I feel like Mm -hmm. that goes a long way. Definitely. And he's been, uh, obviously around F1 for quite some time now. And so he's had racing like plenty of experiences in being in Brazil for these races. So Mm -hmm. of course I think fans of motorsport, uh, in particular, like you get, because there's such a small field of drivers, you mm-hmm. definitely easily gain attachment to drivers who have been there for an extended period of time. Because like mm-hmm. you've gotten, you've gotten used to seeing them. Like you're used to hearing their name. Like even if they're not your favorite, if you're a fan of like motorsport, I would hope hope that there are very few drivers that people are actually like oh, i don't like that guy like other than sure. just like team rivalry like yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. things um so like someone like fernando or lewis uh or when or seb who have been around for so so long obviously have built some sort of uh positive relationship in a lot of places like hearing the fans cheer for them like having some sort of like kind of emotional connection without ever having been there for like extended periods of time necessarily. It's it's a pretty, pretty cool thing. So, yeah, I mean, congratulations to Lewis Hamilton for being an honorary member of Brazil. That's very good. So, um, but getting into the grand prix this week, I know we were talking about it. So there's a couple of interesting things. So it is a sprint race weekend. Yep. And it was last last year. This yes. was the one where Lewis started last in the sprint race and got up, to you like know, just had a twelve maybe or something, and then like made a run from from there uh, mm-hmm. in the, the full race. Yeah, it so, was a pretty impressive weekend. It was, and and the thing that makes it very interesting, I think, this weekend is it is expected to rain a lot, like mm-hmm. every single day. Every session is expecting rain this weekend. Um, And so the sprint race, I think in this situation, because I've seen Max came out and was like, I don't really see the point of the sprint races. Uh, He's like, it basically just lets people who are out of place because of penalties, like move up to their actual like place for the race kind of deal, which I can understand that point. I, I do feel like it's, um, a bit tougher this year with the top six spots essentially being pretty close to locked in, barring any failures or issues uh, week after week. You're really not seeing as much movement in the field as in other seasons of F1. Right. Um, but I think that this is going to be actually a great weekend for a sprint race because it will be very interesting to get to see the drivers in potentially, even though it's rain expected on both days, the potential for there to be 
different um, results based on heaviness of rain, like tire rubber that gets washed away or stays on the track from different sessions, things like that. I think will make the sprint race a lot more varied than we've seen in previous sprint races. And then of Mm -hmm. course, from there, like could be a completely different like level of rain or wetness on Sunday that uh, potentially allows for things to get shaken up even more from however the sprint race finishes. Sure. Like if it's like raining really hard one day where they're, you know, just using the full wets and then the other day is, you know, lighter. So it's just on the inters or whatever with it. We're not going to have the data, see how teams adapt to that. Yeah, that is a that is a pretty interesting angle because I know last year's was a, uh, you know, it was it was a dry race, pretty straightforward overall. Um, So, yeah, I think uh, I think a wet a wet weekend will, will shake things up. I just hope we don't have all the delays and um, stoppage of play that we've been used to. Yeah. And that was one thing. So I, uh, the past two nights going to bed, watched through um, the 2016 Brazilian Grand Prix, which was a rainy uh, weekend as well. And so in that race, there were six DNFs. There were, I think, two red flags that um, lasted for like 40 minutes or so each. Um, mm-hmm. They did a, they did through the full like laps and everything of the race. I don't know if the, the rule about time and everything was in play, um, but the intro, like two of the interesting points, Lewis had a phenomenal race. He started in P1 and just ran. It was like, head and shoulders ahead of Nico Rosberg in that race, um, who just ran in P2 pretty much uh, the majority of the race. But Max Verstappen finished P3 that race and had just an unreal drive in the wet. He um, made some really good, or he and the team made some really good tire decisions at different points in time. At the end, switched from the intermediates to the full wet tires and was blew past he he went from like 12th to third in a like 15 lap span at the end of the race it was just a charge and it was it was not a like if he will get past you it was like oh how long can you keep him behind it Mm. how fast he was going the different spots of the track and where he was able to find uh better grip and everything outside of the normal racing line that some of the other drivers weren't finding. Um, um and I think Interlagos is a really interesting track because there are some sections of the track that have some decent slopes and whatnot that will cause those areas to have a lot less water pooling or sitting on them than other areas of the track. So I think that's the other pretty interesting part of this weekend is like tire decisions and things like that, because there will be parts of the track, even with the rain that are much, much drier than other sections. And so it's like, where, where's the line, like seeing the drivers figure out where, um, 
their comfortability is with the tires. Uh, I think we could see some wet tires this weekend. Yeah. I mean, if it's like, if it's coming down, I'm, I'm, I'm sure we will. Um, and if it is coming down like on Friday where they'll be, you know, testing those in the practice as well, it won't just be, um, you know, uh, a thing that they don't have info on. It'll be kind of a flavor of the weekend. Yeah. It'll, I, I just think there's a lot of potential for things to be interesting this weekend. So, yeah, for sure. um, I was looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a fun one. Obviously, uh, with that wet race, there were a lot of DNFs, which we hate to see. There were six in that race, um, mm-hmm. which a bunch of them were not very exciting looking, uh, incidents which were a little concerning so hopefully there won't be as many of those uh issues but with the wet weather it's definitely a uh another thing to kind of be on on the lookout for um so yeah for sure it always um it always kind of ups the jeopardy level uh as well because yeah just the spills and thrills are much easier when uh you know when it's when it's all slick and wet out um thinking of the sprint races and like the number of races i was i was um listening to listening to danica patrick and she had an interesting point about the um you know the addition of all these races and ultimately i think her point was less is more where you know it'll get to a point where if you have if you have too many races, it kind of removes the exclusivity of it where if all of a sudden there's, you know, just, just races every weekend and a bunch in one country and this and that, it's kind of like, ah, well, yeah, just like another one, whatever. It kind of loses its luster. Um, and I think that was kind like similar to our point where there's a happy medium between like too many and too little or whatever. Um, hers, her point was just a really, really nice way of like summing it up. And when I heard that, I was like, yep, that's, yep, yeah, that's right on, right on key. Definitely. I, I agree with that completely. Cause there, there are tracks that are not super fun to watch races mm-hmm. on. Um, and so I do get like, there are ones that of course you want to keep for the history and some of those, uh, other exciting components, but Mm -hmm. generally like we've talked about, you want a good representation of who the best constructor is and who the best driver is by having a very varied, like, uh, schedule of tracks in terms Mm -hmm. of like what they are partial to, whether it's like, high speed corners, straight line speed, like just things like that with the constructor or whether there are um, plenty of tracks that race craft is super important. I'd say the Coda circuit of the Americas is one of those where like racecraft and your ability to make moves are like hugely important in those um, in races there. Um but yeah, I, I think it does get diluted a little bit the mm-hmm. more and more races you have because it's like, well, is every race really that important in the exactly. grand scheme of the championship? Exactly. Like, if one race goes bad, does that really like ruin the season kind of thing? Because mm-hmm. there's like 23 other, 22 other races that you can just like enjoy instead. 
but yeah, exactly. Um, so I just, I just thought that was an interesting point. I knew we had been uh, talking about that previously. So I just, I just wanted to mention that really quick. Yeah. I think that's a, a good point for her to make. Um, and, and as someone who's kind of gone through some of those circuits, I'm sure from a driver's perspective, she can be like, it probably loses some value to the drivers as well mm-hmm. on their end to be able to be like, get themselves excited week after week when it just kind of could become like a little bit of a slog yeah. uh, to get through all the races. So, yeah. But she had, uh, she was, she was talking about elements of that as well. So yeah, you're, you're dead on. Yeah, it, it definitely makes sense. Um, so looking forward to that this weekend, it should be a really solid mm-hmm. race um, and interesting to, to kind of watch through and keep an eye on. So I'm looking forward to it. I don't know if I'll be able to see everything um, live, unfortunately, just with us being out of town, but sure. definitely looking forward to uh, to getting to check all that out. Yeah, I think Interlagos is a great track. Um, I really like that opening sector uh, where you have the left-hand turn into into the downhill S mm-hmm. section. Um, just a really, really fun bit of track there. Um, obviously, it's it's a great race, seventy-one laps. But um, yeah, I just think that's a great little, great little turn, great little opening sector for for a race. But yeah, that's coming up this weekend. Um, but not much else to say other than that on uh on that note we did have a an incredibly exciting world finals for the league of legends tournament um it was something it was a banger i mean yeah what else there are a million adjectives that you could use to describe it. I mean, like yeah. true underdog story, oh. Cinderella story, the, like the greatest Cinderella story that League of Legends has ever seen. Like crazy. easily, easily the the greatest that we've seen in League of Legends. I mean, I I've got my thoughts here. I've got some thoughts. I want to hear. Like overall, like damn that is great like they they had to overcome insane odds not just in that series but just like throughout the year we think about their we think about their summer split like playoff section where it was like losers bracket they had to play a bunch of best of fives like just to stay alive they barely get out like just the whole run having to go through all the way in play-ins and then going undefeated in groups to taking down I'm pretty sure they beat EDG in the in the quarterfinals Gen G one of the favorites for the tournament like prior mm-hmm. to that stage even prior to those matches we were saying like oh yeah Gen G like what the fuck's a DRX like honestly it's kind of crazy three won them like dude just an insane tournament run from these guys wild and even in that final i would argue as a as an impartial they should have lost that series oh 100 percent like they... every single time they had one of those objectives stolen they should have fucking lost that series mm-hmm. but t1 makes one 
I would say colossal poor decision. I understand. I understand, but mm-hmm. like, whatever, dude. Crazy, crazy yeah. fucking series. Oh, give me your was, thoughts. No, it was incredible. Um, I mean, I fully expected DRX to lose. Even after they won game two, I was like, DRX is losing in four. Like I had like T1 won game one so decisively. Like it was played out so well. Owner on the lease in had map pressure on map pressure. Zay, like the Yone in the top light, like just everything came together. Guma just sat there on Varus, didn't have to carry, just had to hit ults, like played just like casual League of Legends and everyone else just carried through when he is kind of the primary guy that I think of as the carry of that team. And he didn't have to do shit in game one, really. Like Mm -hmm. played in game two, an extremely tight game through and through. We end up with DRX pulling it out in just... 46 minutes is a long ass game. And after that, I was like, oh, I was like, T1's got this. They won game one. They barely lost game two. Mm-hmm. Like they they I I felt like pretty strongly that I expected it to to end in four games. And especially with uh Piochix, um just inability to smite a goddamn thing throughout the series. I mean, Guma stole Baron like twice in one game. He's a dragon one time. I think the, a dragon in that same game, I think he stole like three dragons throughout the series. Mm -hmm. I mean, owner was getting dragon steals. Like, like just was insane. Like it was unbelievable and that's what i'm saying like when your jungler is literally missing every single smite like you should lose that series you should lose that series it's insane it is insane to think they did not need a jungler to win my i think the area that or, or where i saw t1 start to slip was with their drafting game four. I was very unimpressed with that draft that they, that they had. And I think that the stomp that they fed into in that game, I think swung momentum a a good bit in DRX's way for that final game, Mm -hmm. but also could have been T1's opportunity to just end it right there. And yeah. the picks, like I I have to go over back to the pick ban. Like you they went with the Callista Sejuani so early. And the Maokai from DRX's side was the perfect, perfect counter to mm-hmm. that. The Callista did not look good to me in either Deft or Guma's hands, really. 
um, in the those two games. The Maokai just absolutely destroyed Faker on the Akali, mm. crushed uh, Gumiuse on the uh, Kalista. It was those drafts are not equal at all in my mind. That does, no, I don't think they are. Like that, does, especially with Zeka, like being, I probably a better Akali than Faker. I don't know why they wanted to bring the draft prio in that direction either. Um, I think he had been playing fine previously. Maybe they expected another Silas where they were going to have like the melee matchup. Um, but interestingly enough, like, you know, they just didn't care. And Zeka played more of the, um, you know, he played a couple games of the Azir, a couple games of the Silas, but, uh, yeah, it did not look good there for Faker on the Akali. And you're right. The Maokai just like kind of shut down the, shut down the Kalista pick, wasn't able to be, you know, as mobile as they would have liked mm-hmm. to get away from the likes of the Aatrox or, you know, the, um, or the Azir, you know, sliding in there. Um, yeah. so yeah, it was, it was a pretty rough draft. And then you're right. That kind of set them up to fail in the last game. Even like they even but lost even- like with a gold lead. They, they lost with a gold lead. They should have still won. Like, they should have won game five. It, yeah. I, well, well, I think at the point in the game, like, they were, it seemed like they were concerned about being able to win that team fight at the Dragon. They had that wave push and were like, fuck it, like, just kind of go for it, which is. They, but they very, had. They had other leads in the game, and I feel I like agree. they didn't. Every time that I felt like, oh, they've got a comfortable lead, like let's play good, solid macro, just like normal T1 things, it was like they would just immediately take a bad team fight. And then it's like back to like even kills or DRX up kills, but they're mm. up like 1K gold instead mm-hmm. of being up 3K. It was like they kept like building these small leads and like chipping away, like just building that lead, like putting the bricks down, laying it, and then just immediately being like, I wonder what would happen if I punch this while the cement's not set yet and then the wall just fucking falls over and it's like it's like wait guys like you you spent this last five minutes getting advantages around the map mm-hmm. like taking vision control like doing these things like getting a pick kill and mm-hmm. then you just like balls to the wall in a 5v5 team fight and Hecarim and Aatrox are on your face and you lose. And like they did it multiple times. It was a, like it was surprising. And they still had plenty of opportunities that they could have won that game. But I agree. Around mm-hmm. that dragon fight, they just like I you could tell that they were like, we haven't been winning team fights. We right. don't want to take this fight. Yeah, and it was really unfortunate. Like, owner died really shortly after. Like, he, there, there, there was a, ch- like, I 
you see the play, you know, like there mm-hmm. was a chance for, for the Varus and the karma, like to stop those backs, stop the necessary backs. Um, but yeah, it, the timing just did not work out in T1's favor. And then like DRX is just able to smash down the door, like on the, mm-hmm. you know, on the clap back dude, fucking like kind in sort of a, um, maybe like anticlimactic way for the whole thing to end when it was so back and forth, the goal leads were so close and then I for think- it to be like, Oh, they just threw the game. I I don't know because at the same time like it was it was well I I I don't know if it makes it like anticlimactic just because it was so close and it was so back and forth and there was an opportunity there potentially for T1 to like stop the backs and to like finish mm. the game right there like there was I don't think that I think that might have been like a 60-40 like 60% we win, 40% we don't in this situation, but not thinking through the fact that like if it is that 40%, which is pretty close, like that's Bro, that like they didn't even get the first over. turret. I know that's not 60 like, 40, that's like 90 10 to DRX. They didn't no, even kill but, that first turret. I know, but like, like you said, there were opportunities to stop the backs from yeah. Kyria and Guma. And if that happens, like it may not look like it on the Nexus side, but out there, if that gets stopped and they have to reset another eight seconds or fight kill. someone, and then like that 10, yeah. 15 seconds could be two turrets and a nexus. Well, I think additional... like if King and didn't get back, you're right. I think if King and yeah. didn't get back, they probably would have been able to kill these. So that's where it's like, even though it, they didn't get one turret, like, well, I'm just saying on from the T1, other side. like fanboy side, like oh, it's anti-climactic. Cause I'm just seeing them like, Oh, you just, fuck you fuck you yeah it's it's definitely like but it's so just crazy exciting at the same time to just be like oh my god like in the moment watching that you were probably you were probably i guarantee you were like oh my god they're going for it they're going for the back door finish it finish it like and you're sitting there and you're like all this anticipation and it's like oh my god like drx like they just i didn't even realize what happened really Mm. i like it just see none of it seemed like a good idea Mm, okay from them being at the elder dragon to the like owner being too far forward and then you see the double teleports i was like i was like wait 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 because like yeah so i was not like I was not all all into the hype. I was okay. still wondering. I was, yeah. I was okay. I was so you're watching like, them actively like throw away the series. You're like you're so like oh they are making a reaction play instead of this being a planned out like a calculated like we got this decision kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I can see that too because. 
I was just like, oh shit, it's crazy. Like, are they going to have the, like, are they going to be able to end it? And I'm like sitting there and cause I, I didn't obviously know specifically what each thwack at the turret was going to take off its health or anything like that. Like it seemed like a lot. It was like (laughs) two thwacks and it was like half the health of that first. I know it it probably would have only been like five auto attacks total, which is like when I saw that, I'm like, I'm like, Oh my God, they're going for it. Like, so my excitement level, I was like, I just, and personally, I mean, I I still think that I mean I I don't know how much it's up in the air but I still consider Faker the goat like not only he does have three world championships I understand he hasn't won one in quite some time now but as someone who would in a lot of areas like someone his age who's been around a league for that long would be like just go to NA like and retire over there, make no. some money. Like he's just fucking grinding and has been back to the world finals twice since his last win, like been on the cusp of getting that fourth multiple times. And like, again, with very different iterations of his roster, like I just, in my mind, even those losses carry a lot of positive weight of just the fact of him going sure. that distance. Um, definitely it's in the spot of somebody else being there too. Like means getting they, to the finals is in and of itself an accomplishment. Yeah, and yeah, it, like, for sure. What NA hasn't have we been to finals? Not even close. I Not think even so. Close. Yeah, I I was trying to think back to season one who. Fanatic played <laughs> like uh, against all authority. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, what are they? Sure, are they European? Okay, yeah. Mm. But I was like, I was like, man, that is it is a grind to get to the finals and have mm. done it twice and just gotten, especially in this one, best like in five games, extremely tight series. Yeah, I mean. I, I was very impressed. I, I did, I did feel so bad for Kyria. I Dude, like that, that. That broke my heart. Yeah, man, that's brutal. And then, did you see the? Did you see the like fan fiction edits of like superimposing Faker bent over at the desk crying? Where no. like, because there's that, there's that wonderful shot of both owner and faker like looking Looking down the desk at an area somebody has taken like like uh the the picture from when he put his head in his hands and was crying at the desk like over carrie and it was like 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 faker seeing himself in carrie now like faker knows exactly what that's like yeah and i like it was I saw Caria put out like a long thread of tweets or, or I don't know. It was on, um, shit. What is Korea's Reddit? I don't know. Oh, it's, it's like a very big thing and I'm blanking on the name right now. It <laughs> doesn't matter. Um, he put out a very long statement that just basically was like, I was just so overcome with emotion in the moment and everything. Like, 
and it, he like basically talked about combined between like the loss, but also like after that, the like being able to realize how much support he had from fans and from different mm. people and like all the people who like came to like pick him up after the finals mm-hmm. and everything was just like kind of eye-opening to see just like uh, to go through all these different emotions and all. I didn't read through his entire thing, but it, it was like from what I read, it seemed very like heartfelt, like appreciative and like also like, yeah, like it, it was a very hard thing to kind of like go through like understandably yeah, I, I can't imagine they were like right there they were right there on yeah. the cusp of it it's crazy like dude like my man's hands were shaking like he man yeah dude, I, I, my, I feel for him so much i can't even imagine my hands like if i get in a 1v1 at the end yep. of the- game of yep. war zone yeah i like whether i win or lose i'm sitting there like like shaking my hands or like jittering my heart's racing and all. And then I'm just like, okay, play again. Like, like I can't even comprehend how jittery and nervous and fucking, I would be a goddamn mess. I like, I feel like my limbs would just start falling off my body. I'd fall apart completely, not be able to handle it. And That's in one crazy. of those situations, like stage pressure, like you, you, you kind of got to talk to it. Like it, it, it is very much a factor for like young rookie players and mm-hmm. in, in scenarios like this. So it, it definitely is a factor, but it's, it's interesting where like, you can't say he really played like a bad series at all. You know, no, maybe, maybe, uh, one or two too many deaths here or there but overall i think he had a great series too where like maybe just all of it like mounted right at the end where like he was he he definitely seemed locked in throughout the series is what i'm saying no a hundred percent and like speaking to that as well in terms of like just stage pressure and everything i mean deft has been around for so long like Mm -hmm. deft has been around for nine years this Mm -hmm. man has like his tournament history like he's been to worlds multiple times multiple lck finals like just has been around for so much in his career barrel i'm pretty sure he has an msi final or i'm pretty sure he has an msi victory as well i forget what team with but in death's career all he needed was a fine a world's a world's win yeah he so he had uh come in well no so he got 3-0'd by t1 back in last year's world's um, but he's been to multiple LCK finals or in LCK playoffs and whatnot. Like he's had a very good career. Um, he's never won MSI though. Uh, no, he does. Sorry. I'm looking at his tournament results on this page and they're not showing all of it. Oh, um, okay. But no, so sorry. He has uh, one MSI 
title. He has two LCK titles. He has mm-hmm. two LPL titles, mm-hmm. four Demacia Cups, one Kessler yep. Cup, one Rift Rivals. Dude, those last ones that's really fucking count. sick. Going to going from Korea to China, back to Korea, mm-hmm. and getting multiple finals in both fucking leagues. Yep. That's crazy. Dude, it's it's nuts. Like he has such a resume. Barrel just in the past year has gone to MSI and come in second place in MSI last mm-hmm. year. He went to Worlds, came in second place at Worlds last year mm-hmm. and then comes back comes and wins Worlds. So like comparatively to Kyria, who like played last year in his first worlds, played in MSI this year, and then worlds this year. I mean, he's he's been successful. He finished third, fourth in worlds last year, second in MSI, and second in worlds this year. But like mm. between that, between Guma's like very minimal experience outside of MSI, like worlds last year, MSI this year, worlds this year, deft and barrel had a much like, like a, just a bigger experience gap to Guma and Kyria by far. And and it's Mm -hmm. primarily from deft's side, Mm -hmm. which I think plays a huge part. I mean, you can say the same thing about like Faker versus Zeka on the mid lane matchup. Um, Faker having so much more experience uh, than mm-hmm. Zeka, but at the same time, it's just it's it's a pretty wild result, and like all the props to DRX, like it was they they had so many huge moments throughout the world's tournament. Zeka is a stud. Deft was like good old Deft, like crushing people, playing mm-hmm. playing really well. It was. They were they were pretty fun to watch throughout the world's tournament. Well, and it's amazing how from like just a casual viewer's perspective, me and you, like the the team that literally won just totally went under the radar. Like I was looking back at some of my notes from like DRX games, and there is not one word or utterance of us ever being like, they're gonna be world's contenders this year. No, I had no thought. I mean, even even going undefeated in the playing groups and everything, like I was, I wasn't. I was like, oh, they had. I was like, oh, okay, so they beat RNG, and then who else did they beat? Mad Lions, Saigon Buffalo, Isaris, Istanbul. Like that's expected. Like RNG was the only team that I was like, ah, maybe, but. Like never in my my realm of possibilities was I sitting there going, you know what, those DRX boys, they're they're looking like contenders. And every time they just kept making it further and further and further and further. And every time I'm like, ah, those underdogs, they're having a good go at it. Yeah, <laughs> it's wild. Like we were just like what like waiting for them to lose. I just expected it. I mean, Gen G was so strong throughout they the LCK summer favored. split going into worlds 
through the group, through the main stage of worlds, like throughout, I was just like, I was like, oh yeah, Gen G, like it's going to be a Gen G and like T1 or JDG or like RNG finals. I was like, Mm -hmm. it's it's Gen G and someone else. And Mm -hmm. then they come out and beat Gen G in four. And I was like, well, T1's got this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it, like never in a million years were we like, oh well, DRX is gonna win. No, I was like, ah, deaf chokes, it's fine. Like, dude, like it's it's just amazing the like the blinders that you have on. Like, oh. I was so just like, oh yeah, this is T1's. And this I mean, T1's I thought JDG was going to be T1's greatest challenge in the tournament. I know, it and then was... it was. It was themselves ultimately at the dragon that they didn't know what to how to contend with. But yeah, no, dude, fucking but... DRX, that is crazy. And I'm I am truly happy to be alive to have witnessed it. Cause that is like that is cool. the underdog run. And and like not only that, so like T1 three O's RNG, three ones JDG, two of Win. the biggest fucking like potential like contenders for the title Mm -hmm. in their quarterfinals and semifinals matchups. DRX like slugs it out for five games against EGG and wins three, two last year's world champions that they just right out in the quarters. All right. See ya. But five games, like sure. It was a reverse sweep though. The second one in world's history. Crazy, but still like they went down two Oh, Mm-hmm beat last year's world champions and we were like ah they still aren't like they're, they're like okay like, <laughs> we were like well genji is pretty tough chovy is pretty good yeah like we, we we didn't even rate them at all nothing and they're I in mean, the semis and we're like ah I mean, Crazy. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure we're like, well, they've got a lot of games in since they've been playing all the way. Yeah, yeah, it's like, well, they've just been like leveling up, I guess. <laughs> like it is that is it, they need to make like a League of Legends, like an anime about like the professional League of Legends scene, like with that fucking story. Like that is the thing that those like the anime like the the schoolyard like yeah. type animes that the Kuroko's basketball that I talked about uh when I was watching it a few months ago and everything like that's that kind of story like it's the the underdog like doing this thing and they're like leveling up each time they're figuring out new things they're like gr- like that could be a fucking anime easily that oh, yeah. world's run oh yeah big time um, well, dude, it's just wild that, yeah, just overcoming so much adversity, their own jungler, fucking the dude, fact that Kyoshi, they, like, no offense, but they still kind of need to replace him potentially. Like, that's a oh, problem. I agree. I agree. Like, and that's I real. like him. Like, he, he, I, I liked him. Nah, he's, he, he's getting taken advantage of on the stage, making him run around there. That's wild. Like, he, I don't think he is a bad jungler, but he is not a jungler that like you can't hit your smites. You're not a jungler that will like there's no reason that the 
team that won worlds had a jungler who missed like every smite in that entire series. That's what I'm saying. It blows my mind. It makes no sense. I know. Like, and I know it happened. It's it's incredible. I I love it. I love the story. I like. I'm sad for Kyria and Guma and Faker and Owner and Zayus. Like I like they played a hell of a series, but fucking yeah. hell, they played yeah. a hell of a tournament too. They did, but DRX like they were better that day. Maybe maybe nine out of ten times they lose that series, but they got that one, and mm-hmm. like that's fucking nutty. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. That was really something. I'm actually, this is just like behind the scenes, but I'm glad I didn't watch it live because, yeah, I just would have like kind of missed out really where I was super happy to be able to just watch all the games back to back, like Mm -hmm. the momentum and the tempo, the excitement, dude, the crowd in the background was so fucking exciting. The cast was really awesome i thought the i thought the trio that they had cadrill kobe and captain flowers i thought was awesome yeah, it's um, a, did a really good job it is a slight bummer but not like a big bummer but kobe wasn't supposed to be on the fight like it was supposed to be his ale but he got sick right before like uh That's during like the right. and so like i love kobe so I think Kobe is phenomenal. And mm. I think like I NA has some really good casters. I know I shit talk freak a lot just because I think it's funny because he's mm. a fucking goob. But he has a lot of like really good qualities as a caster. But mm. I think like Captain Flowers has a lot of the hype qualities that that freak has and so yeah. like in general i thought that the cast like choice was great wouldn't have minded seeing his but kobe is like a, a great option too because he gets so excited and like can't control himself i do really enjoy his as well so yeah it's uh unfortunate that he that he got sick i hope he's i hope he's doing okay honestly i'm pretty sure he's fine it was just kind of uh hey i got sick i i it, Honestly, probably COVID, where it was like, hey, like the quarantine period won't be long enough for me to be on the cast kind of thing. When you're around that many people day after day of this tournament, I'm not shocked that some of the some folks got sick. I mean, RNG's. I'm pretty sure like all but one of RNG's team were sick and had to play like remotely for Mm -hmm. a couple of the games. So. Um, but no, phenomenal cast, like the excitement that they brought, the excitement of the series itself was just phenomenal. Insane, dude. Like insane. It's, it's hard to kind of believe that it's like over like that. That's the end of Mm -hmm. this year of League of Legends. And I mean, well, yeah, I know it's like kind of our, our championship season. We've got the end of the F1 season. We've got end of league of legends season. Um, well, yeah, it is just like tournament year. Like we just had the Valorant wrap up too. We, the big major at the end of the year for CSGO. Like it all, it all ends eventually, you know? Right. But it's just, 
it all ends at the same time. And so now it's, uh, we've got, we've got F1, but we've got plenty of other like league of legends stuff. I'm sure we'll talk about. Um, so one, one thing, I don't know if you had any other final notes for the world championships, but, uh, no, I don't think so. I think we hit all the like main, main hype points. Okay. So, Uh, just like other League of Legends notes then that, uh, had come up. So there, uh, North America has announced a new challengers league. So there is going to be, it seems like, uh, some sort of promotion type tournament from, I guess it's more similar to Valorant where it will be give teams the opportunity to play in a like challenger league qualifiers to make it up into the actual like league of legends challenger scene, gotcha. um, which I, I haven't looked super into it. It's something that was announced. I think they see, I think it was today. It was well, it's like the academy yesterday. squads and their, their well, thing, right? so sort of, but I think it's going to continue to have like teams, academy squads, but there's going to be the ability for other outside teams to like play in a promotion tournament or like qualifier oh, to make it up into that, like, oh level so we got to get the band back together so it it seems like it i i don't think it's replacing the academy league it seems so what i'm seeing there's going to be 10 fixed challenger league teams which are the like academy teams for Mm -hmm. all of the um like lcs teams and then there's going to be six provisional teams is what it's right. saying so here. So we could be well, one of those provisional teams. Yes, we got to grind. We put in the work. Got to grind. Nice. So, okay, cool. Um, but that's cool cuz I think that's a great way to give opportunities to like teams and players that whether hey, maybe they're coming out of the collegiate series, maybe they're coming out of like other areas of league of legends to give them the opportunity to be on this stage and potentially picked up. Like I, I, to some extent, like with the Academy teams, there's been a lot of recycling of previous professional players. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's great that it opens the door for new up and coming players to potentially get their name out there to enter the scene and give more, potential for like homegrown development, which I think is cool for North America because we need all the help we can get. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Um, hopefully some, some Missouri born native can bring us out of the pits of world's despair here. You never know. You don't know where, where everyone has to come from. Exactly. You just need to know that they're going to the world finals. <laughs> hey, they better be represent North America, baby. Take yeah, it away from those back Koreans. to back to Kansas City, Missouri, because mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, but along with that, we I know you and I uh, briefly talked about it, but there's been some initial roster things announced. So uh, Fanatic Reckless sounds kind of weird. I don't. I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't fit quite right. 
Why not? He used just, to be on Fanatic. No, it was a joke. It was. Mm. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it makes sense. He's been with the org. Uh, multi, this is what his third time going back. He had one original, then he went to um, uh, what was Froggen's weird team that was an A? Alliance. Alliance, and then he went back to Fnatic, mm-hmm. and then he went to G2, and then Carmine Corp, and then now back to Fnatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he is going to be going uh, upset, who was like the top LEC bot laner this past year. Um he, uh, I don't think, is going to be playing for Fnatic. He tweeted out, sadly, the circumstances around this offseason did not allow me to go to one of my desired places to compete. I'll be grinding a lot of solo queue here and in Korea in the new season and probably going to stream quite a bit. I'm confident in my return in great form. So nice. upset not going to be playing uh, for Fnatic this coming year, but... I mean, I think that that's a kind of bad reaction decision to just drop him after the performance he like put on throughout the like spring and summer split for Fnatic. Yeah, but I guess maybe the performance at Worlds wasn't what they wanted, so they, you know, had to had to look for a change. A uh, surprising change to choose that, but uh, you know, you can't blame the team for just looking in a direction. Ah, uh, it's it's weird. I so I think in previous years I had a slightly different perspective on this, but like with I don't necessarily subscribe to the same like belief that I used to that if you don't win worlds you have to make like drastic changes and like I'm not saying that if there's a very like blatant like issue in your team or something like that that you shouldn't change or you should just be like well we made it to the world championship so we should be content and try try again like but there's also it seems to be a little bit of a just like almost instinctual or like a gut like up things didn't go bad we have to change like super super hard and like i think there should be a happy medium like hey is as a coach or an owner or manager like hey is there a huge problem that we see okay no not a huge problem okay like our players that didn't stack up in their role at worlds like do we think that they have the ceiling or potential to get to the level where they do stack up at worlds? Yeah. Okay. Like that. And I'm sure some of these things are thought through, but also at the same time dropping. And as of right now, no one picking up the like top bot laner of LEC where he's just going to like take a split off and be like, well, I'll see if anyone wants me in the summertime. Like right. 
that whatever team picks him up is most likely going to be making a gut reaction to their player doing poorly and make a gut reaction to pick up upset. And it might not be their solution to get them to where they want to go. Like, I think there is something to like building on your successes Mm -hmm. as a team Mm -hmm. to some extent as well. Like, I, I don't know. I just find it a little too like I don't know, quick of a decision to some extent. Yeah, small data pool. You know, you've you played for how long? You know, let it let it grow a little bit. Learn to yeah, learn to like be patient. I just don't. I just don't imagine him being the problem. Like. I don't I haven't seen anything out there in the world Twitterverse Reddit whatever that's like upsets a problematic teammate and he's mm. just blah 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 and we I'm not surprised that they dropped him cuz it seemed like there was a lot of animosity between him and Hillsong or like whatever like I just don't see it and I right. think that that's a weird, like, gut reaction to be like, okay, like, see ya, bye. I don't know. Maybe, like, something we don't know. Maybe, like, Reckless and him just don't get along for whatever reason. So it was just, like, a natural, like, well, you can't have one with the other. Yeah, maybe. It's, uh, something I just, weird. I'm curious to see how it, how it works out. And I, I hope the best for Upset, because I think he deserves to be playing in a professional league. And so yeah. that, uh, that sucks. And of course, like things could change. Maybe other teams will be like, yo, let's pick up this guy. Like it is the off season's coming. Um, but for him to kind of be like, yeah, I couldn't get a, a spot in the teams that I feel like I would want to play in and be competitive in similar to kind of Daniel Ricardo being like, Hey, I didn't right. get any offers in to stay in a contending team. So I'm going to take some time. I, I think that's a reasonable decision from his, his side. I'm just surprised that mm-hmm. he had to be in that spot to make a decision. Yeah. It's weird to think of like those, those individuals with such a pedigree being the ones that are like seatless basically. Yeah. It's just uh it's a little funky to me, but um, other roster news, G2 seems to be going through a bunch of shakeups. So mm-hmm. Han Sama getting picked up. I forget who they were planning uh, for their support, but I believe that um, Han Sama had someone that he wanted to specifically play with that support. Maybe it's Flacid. I'm not sure. Um, gotcha. But then Jose Diodo being picked up most likely by G2 as well. It mm. looks like there's an agreement for him to be the jungler and replace Yankos on the team. Um, That's a definite downgrade. I would say so. I, yeah. I was, I'm not, um, not expecting G2 to necessarily be like as big of contenders um, picking up kind of some of the just slightly above average players from from that had 
played in NA. I mean, I, I think Jose is like average-ish. Han Sama slightly above average. I think it's mm-hmm. generally like it's like a, uh, it's okay. May sure. and who knows? Maybe they'll go back and um, I don't know, be studs. But I, based on previous performances, it seems like they're going for just like a shakeup because G two has stayed relatively consistent with their like. Mm-hmm. team lineups for the past couple of years there's been a couple swaps but nothing too extreme it seems mm-hmm. like they're kind of going into a, a little bit of a rebuild so well yeah i think with what happened with their ceo i think they're under new management yeah so some changes being made um one just other side note uh from the lcs is double lift is apparently considering coming back i don't know where or to who i think it sounded like hundred thieves uh potentially with him and Bjerg possibly in the mid lane might be an option um with team liquid going for more of a rebuild as well um i think that could be a potential landing spot but who who knows it's still, yeah, it's still an interesting question yeah and i mean with with double lift, like I don't think there's any concerns that he'll be able to perform at a LCS level. Um, but I don't know if uh, the old man's club will have what it takes to perform at international tournaments. Yeah, so that, that would be my worry. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think it's a horrible thing because i i haven't seen enough talent from our academy leagues to be like oh yeah like get rid of this guy who's or like don't let this guy back in who's been right go for mainstay for for years like let's go for the the rookie and like wing it um so i i don't hate the idea but i also am like Eh, I'm not expecting, I'm not setting my expectations too high. Yeah, well, no, of course not. I mean, Bjergsen came back and that was just like kind of lackluster, you know? It was good, Mm -hmm. but like not, not like dominant like he had been in the past. So, um, so yeah, a lot of different just uh, news that we'll start getting more and more of, of course, through the off season with League of Legends. So, um, plenty ahead of us but um a a great season behind us and with a phenomenal world championship tournament so yeah i agree i think this was a super fun season i'm happy that we were able to catch so much of it i think we had some just really good league of legends overall this world championship was a super exciting one i'm happy that you know we were tuned in and uh and here for it because this was a Truly a Cinderella story for the ages. Like, I, yeah. dude, it, it, wild, wild. I'm it's, super happy to have bared witness and, like, have, have seen it. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Uh, like I said, no other um, Cinderella story like this that I can think of in all of League of Legends history. It's pretty incredible. Um, so, congrats to DRX. Like, yeah, congrats, congrats to Deft after so many years of, like, Mm-hmm. 
playing so well and kind of coming up short for, for getting that world championship uh, for his resume. That's uh, just awesome for him. So yeah, it's amazing. Those was uh, a super good one. So if you missed it, go back and watch it on all esports T one versus DRX game five world championship. Check it out. But uh, moving from league of legends, uh, I, you do have some magic, correct? Or was I? Uh, no, not really. Not really. I just am looking forward to games this weekend with Death and uh, Braxit. Uh, okay. We're playing some CDH. Uh, haven't gotten games in in a long time. Just kind of yearning, looking for games. But yeah, going to play some this weekend. So I'll have some, Whoa. hopefully some stories, uh, stories for next time. What's the deal with the secret layer box? Oh, yeah, dude. So there was no secret sliver in the last couple. There were slivers, yeah. no slivers this time. But they did give you a different like version of one of the cards that was in the box. So it was a um, artist series with Nils Ham did four cards and they were all around like a certain theme. And the one card was tireless tracker in like the the theme and flavor of the other cards but then the secret card in the back was a a version of tireless tracker with like watercolor art as opposed to like the painted kind of traditional magic art so i thought that was really dope um and was able to obviously just slot them right into my commander decks was able to uh find some good homes and some move move things around so i just love getting those secret layers the art treatments are beautiful I, I love, love, love the art. Uh, it's so amazing. Um, and then I have another one coming up. It is one of the Metal Gear Solid artists. Uh, his name is Yunji. He did, he does the like, it, yeah, you'll just have to look him up. But his style is amazing. Uh, Metal Gear Solid has been using his artwork for a long time. And I was super stoked when I saw. And like, I just had to see the cards and I knew it was him. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, they paired with this guy. And I was just super excited. So very, uh, very much looking forward to that one. So just a little bit of, just a little bit of magic there. Just looking forward to some cards, just upgrading my commander decks. Um, But yeah, other than that, the, the hunt showdown Halloween event just ended. Shout out to Buddha, Milk. Uh, used food and the gang we've been squatting up like crazy they've been doing uh like halloween quests that you can do to like get gun skins and stuff so that's been super fun but yeah other than that i don't uh i don't have much else very cool well on the um the uh, small note with hunt showdown but go for it uh warzone or call of duty is releasing a similar game mode it's called dmz that will be a extraction like based game mode and all. So I'm not sure what it will look like. I'm not sure if I'm going to play much of it and whatnot, but um, if I, I'm sure I'll check it out and it'll be interesting to kind of compare to hunt and all with, uh, with some of the games I've played of that. Cause it's a, it's a pretty cool concept of, mm-hmm. or like style of um, multiplayer game. 
Yeah, so. dude, I love it. It's so tense. It's so exciting. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's uh, that's super fun. But yeah, let's get these people out of here. What's been your flavor of the week here, Aaron? Uh, so for my flavor of the week, uh, so I have uh, kind of two things for my food. So for oh. one, the beef jerky that I talked about last week, I made it. Yes. It turned out really, really well. We've been enjoying it. Colleen has just, she was like, I was like, have as much of this as you want. I like, it's easy to make. I just soak beef in like some spices and teriyaki sauce and then throw it on my dehydrator. And she's like, Oh, I have been, I had some the other day. I had some today. I'm like, okay. She's like, it's really good. So, so that turned out well, but we also got, um, the spicy pizza from one of our local pizza places that we had um a couple months ago that we really enjoyed um so that was that was bomb again um i will say though we ordered it like an hour ish hour 10 ahead of time and like it wasn't ready when i got there and i got Mm. there like a couple minutes after like when it was supposed to be ready by right and i'm like we like that should be enough time to like have it ready so i can walk up and be like take my pizza anyway um good pizza though (laughs) just but uh for my music this week i've been listening to some different more like instrumental like between kind of like chiller like sounds but also uh some with like some edm kind of tones but just some different instrumentals and it is kind of just relaxing to not to just have like some quiet i guess with my brain where i'm just like letting just like chilling with the music there's no lyrics there's no like singing along necessarily um so i've been enjoying that a little bit it's been pretty relaxing um helps helps my road rage out a little bit on my drives um and for my visual medium uh colleen and i watched a movie last night called don't you worry darling it is on hbo i believe um very very good movie it is a uh thriller type like you don't quite know what's going on you're like piecing the puzzle together as you go um Colleen and I both had similar guesses about like what was actually going on and we were like sort of on but not quite and so it like kept us guessing was like had us uh like intrigued and kind of like sucked in throughout the movie so uh definitely would recommend it don't you worry darling on HBO nice that, so. sounds, that sounds like a pretty good uh, flavor of the week there, my friend. Yeah, not too bad. But what have you had? Uh, let's let's hear it. So my music here for the week, uh, Star Walking by Lil Nas X. Just super fucking hype, obviously. I, I just heard it all weekend, like watching the games, watching the clips, going back, watching the games. Um, so yeah, just that song has been in my ear the whole time and I, I love it. I kind of really enjoy the world songs that they do. They've all, most of them have been pretty on point. Yeah. I've Um, always enjoyed them. It it like has some nostalgia tied to it too. Like reminding you of big moments or even thinking through the videos and like the everything. 
So yeah. Yeah, the uh, the production value from Riot has always been on point, so I love that one. Uh, my food here for the week, Stacks are back after a long hiatus. Sarah really fucking hooked it up. She did the rice super good this time. Uh, she endeavored to make a homemade Chipotle ranch sauce, um, mm-hmm. and that was solid. It was funny how she was like, uh can you come taste this? I don't know. Is this, I was like, that is exactly what it's supposed to taste like my friend. Like that is dead on just, that's it. She's like, Oh, well that's great. So yeah, that was super good. Um, and then my visual medium here for the week. Have you ever seen vantage point with Dennis Quaid? I think so. I recognize the name and I'm like, hold on. I have to see the, like the cover. Dude, yeah. it is so. I don't think I've seen it. I gotcha. I know that it's like a pretty pretty big film though from from yesteryear. From yesteryear, and it is great. It is twenty four style directing where it's like all trying to show you events like in real time and show you like different perspectives. Okay, a bunch of different individuals have more information than the next time you see the scenario and so you're like kind of piecing it all together and is like oh shit and so like you see the same shots like a couple of different like angles yeah but every time you're informed with like more information or it's like a slightly different angle or like a slightly longer cut of it where you see a person in frame that you didn't before and you're like, mm. Oh shit. So it is, it's, it's a pretty cool movie. I'm not going to say it's like great okay. or good or whatever. It's just cool. I really like that style and, and how it like it, the, the movie tries to like adhere to its own rules and adhere to the, mm-hmm. the, the, its own timeline that it's setting up. And I think that's really fun. Um, nice. And it's just like, it's just like good action. But uh, Forrest Whitaker plays the, like just the civilian with the camera in the scenario, mm. dude, his performance is like just worth seeing. It is nice. wonderful. So okay. vantage point was uh, my flavor of the week here. That's a, that's a fun movie. Nice. I yeah. will definitely have to check it out because I've heard oh, yeah. of like of the movie previously. Um mm-hmm. and I think that's an interesting like it's a very unique style uh yeah. to, to like do a movie in. And I think that those um it's always interesting to see like a different way of, of doing something like that. So very cool. Yeah. Cause it is just like, it is just like action movie, political intrigue, like, you know, just like action hero, whatever. But if you do it f- like with an interesting, like template or format, it, mm. it spices up the genre in a way where oh, you're yeah. like, yeah, I'm familiar with all this, but it's like, it's fun and new and it's like, I'm okay right. with it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not, you're not just like, ah, I've seen this movie before with a different name. So exactly. Nice. Very cool. Um, well that, uh, does bring us to the end of this week's episode. Um, of course, as always, thank you everyone for listening. We really appreciate it week after week. Um, you can find us on Spotify, Google podcasts, check us out on YouTube, hit us up on Twitter. Um, but yeah, Thank you all again for for joining us for another episode. Um, Looking forward to, to next week and recapping the Brazilian Grand Prix.
Yeah, just uh, tell a friend that new episodes are on Thursday, and we just uh, we just love bringing you the best in uh, the content that we make. So thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate your time very much. So this has been another episode of the Tall and Short of It podcast. Peace out, everybody. Later.